Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Right now, Bears, we're going to talk a bit about horse racing, and I've retired from punting, so I'll leave this to you, mate. <laughs> You'll be back. You'll be back, mate. On a day where some favourites <laughs> couldn't get the job done, there was one well-backed runner who lived all the way up to the hype and delivered at Te Araha on Saturday. It's Patianui Bay. La Bella Beals coming after it. La Creek's still there on the inside. And then behind them, Flash Mary. Patianui Bay in front at the 100 metres. Flash Mary's driving through along the inside. Patianui Bay holding sway. Flash Mary's going to make it close, but Patianui Bay got there. Patianui Bay wins the treble in Coralie Eagle Memorials. Yes, it was Patianui Bay. That's one that we didn't get wrong as, as he showed up. Why... <laughs> He showed why so many alongside, uh, he showed why so many people consider him alongside Novere as a dominant three-year-old. Tony Pike trains Parianui Bay for Trelawney Stud. He joins us on the show this morning. Look forward to talking to Tony. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Baz. That was a pretty awesome win on Saturday, mate. Uh, yeah, look, it was a good win. Uh, obviously, hadn't run for a fair while. Uh, not being able to head down south for the guineas and. Uh, probably strip a little bit fitter out of that but uh yeah look he's probably getting a little bit cocky with life as well i think uh he sort of just uh hit the front at, uh, early in the home straight and he um he only did what he had to so uh i think that he, uh, we might think with a bit of gear change from him put blinkers on him at his next start and uh, i think he's very progressive and could go right the way to the top from what he's shown us so far yeah nice nice so what qualities is it that you think makes him a little bit special as well, mate? What, what separates him? Oh, probably attitude. Uh, he's a very laid-back sort of character, and probably with each one, he's, um, he's probably just got a little bit more cocky than himself as well. So I suppose it's just like a good critic, cr- cricketer, but does, the pressure doesn't seem to get to him, and um, you know, he doesn't uh, seem to, to worry about too much with life. Yeah, well, let's hope the cricketers' pressure doesn't get to them later on as well. But no, it was a great win, mate. You, you've got a, a hell of a team which is sort of heading towards the derby as well. You've got three of the top five favourites in the market, Tutakaka, Parainui Bay, and obviously Fields of Gold as well. So talk to us about, like, is that a race which you target and, and must be you must be delighted to have three of the top five favourites in the market? Yeah, 
yeah, we've got a really good grunt, uh, bunch of three-year-olds, and oh, it's always a nice, uh, always a nice race to win the Derby. It's a race that we've um, won a couple of times, and just leads really well into Australia. We're hoping this year with um, uh, COVID, we can sort of travel back to Australia a little bit more, and um, I'd love to take a small team to Sydney and obviously get back to a happy hunting ground in Brisbane. So. Just uh, working through our three-year-old pattern of racing, it sets up really well for these three-year-olds to, to head to Australia later on in the autumn. Hey, Pikey, is he here, mate? Hey, I just want to ask you a question. Who is the most, who's the most natural stayer out of these three? Uh, Field of Gold, Tutukaka, and, and uh, um, oh, what was it? the one that raced on the weekend. So Paranubay. <laughs> yeah, yeah Paranubay. That's the one, mate. Uh, is he's given up that hunting, that? mate, so he's just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah forgot them. <laughs> uh, it'll have to be Tudakaka, he's just a natural star. He ran well on the BRC derby. He's come home and spelled well. He's not going to need a, a hard prep to get to the derby. He's um, just a real natural star. Whereas the other two have got just that little bit more brilliance. And, you know, they might get 2,400 as a three-year-old, but, um, you know, they're probably going to be better at a mile than 2,000 metres. So... Like we'll just assess that in the way through. Um, there's every chance that um, you know, a couple of them might uh, bypass the derby and, and possibly head to head to Sydney early, um, or us uh, will keep them sort of in the wings and uh, head to Brisbane, obviously for the Carnival up there. There's been some pretty big prize money injections going to the um, Queensland Carnival as well, so uh, it's always a nice uh, nice time of year to get away from New Zealand with a nice team of horses as well. Yeah, mate. Just just explain to us a little bit about the decision to take horses overseas what what is it about the horses obviously the prize money is outstanding but like how, how do you know you've got a horse which can measure up over there oh, look it uh, took a little bit of working out we've uh, had some brilliant carnivals and we've also come back with a tail between our legs a couple of times as well so yeah you know it's just something that you work out along the way through um i think all our three-year-olds you know if they're competitive a bit of mile and further um then they're going to be very competitive um in the better races in australia so yeah, you've got to be pretty analytical when you take them over. Um, we've taken a couple over in the past that, um, in hindsight, probably just weren't good enough to uh, to be uh, running in races that they were over there. It's obviously a, a pretty um, pretty uh, tough uh, environment for these horses to race, and they'll be pretty good. But uh, I think we've sort of got a fair fair line on that now. And you know, probably the hardest ones, although we had a lot of success with Bostonian. Um, you know, the Aussie sprinters are very very hard to beat. So. Taking a horse over there that uh, you're looking to compete against their best sprinters, it's uh, it's not easy. Yeah, is it is it the racing pattern over there, mate? Like they obviously, especially sprinters, they there's no sort of let up right throughout the races. There, the sectionals have to be pretty slick. Is that is that part and parcel of it, or or is there a little bit more robust yeah, kind of um, physique, perhaps? Yeah, I think it's um, yeah, their, their breeding industry, you know, sort of uh, is is more targeted towards the early sprinting types of horses and. Yeah, they're they're sort of competing at that top level all the way through. Um, whereas probably our, our sprinting ranks aren't quite as strong as, as Australia's, so um, you can get a bit of a false sense of security. Uh, you know, winning well here in New Zealand, but uh, when you get to Australia, it's a, you know it's a whole new game. You're just going to another level, so um, you've really got to pick your targets and, and pick them well. Hey, Pikey, uh, Bears had a question. Uh, wanted to ask you about owners. Owners, there's a, he had a meeting on the weekend in Tiaro High. He couldn't go watch. Louis's got a trial today. He can't go watch. Is there any reasons why the why the boys can't go watch at the moment in the current situation with with COVID? Is uh, what's what's the reasoning behind behind that? Oh, look, I think um, you know, NZTR have taken a really conservative approach. Just uh, you know, to basically hopefully uh, you know we've we've done well to keep racing going. Um, obviously, um, right through the last sort of uh, 
12 months since the first lockdown, I think they've just taken a really cautious approach that they you know, just didn't want any risks you know, popping up that could possibly uh, you know, sort of derail the industry for a few weeks because obviously that's going to give um, you know, a big financial hit to the industry. But it is something that I think um, with the traffic light system coming in shortly, we're going to have to look at very carefully. We need to keep engagement with owners. Um, and I think that's a big, big key part of it um, when we start opening up in the next week or two that uh, we do need to get owners back to the track. I know uh, Brent Taylor was very keen to come on Saturday, but obviously he couldn't come and see his horse run and um, you know, they're a huge part of the industry. So I think uh, the, those discussions will be had very, very quickly about um, you know, getting owners back on course in some shape or form. And uh, hopefully um, uh, we, can, uh, we can carry on down that path um, moving forward into the better racing carnivals. Izzy, I've worked it out, mate. The trainers just don't want us owners there because we just whinge and we moan and it's like <laughs> high maintenance and then we lose a dollar on the pun and then we're sour and we sulk and then they've got to buy us a beer so that costs them money too. Smart, these trainers, I tell you, they get alongside and just get things taken care of. But anyway, a, um, Pikey, mate, what about your other filly, um, Catalyst? When can we expect to see Catalyst out, on, out there on the track? Uh, look, he's probably going to be back racing probably in March. Um, he's just coming back. He's just come back into the stable, and yeah, look, a little bit of a hiccup along the way. But um, yeah, we're just sort of taking our time with him. We'll give him a couple of runs probably um, you know, over the March Carnival at Ellerslie, and if uh, if he comes up to expectations, then we're hoping possibly to get him to to Queensland. Um, you know, a race like the Stradbroke, if he's at his best form, would be perfect for him. Beautiful, of course not. Jeez, well, I've lost, I've lost my train of thought there. But oh, mate, we've got a nice team around you at the moment. Must be absolutely delighted, and uh, we look forward to following your team as well. And we always ask when we get people on the show, like we have done to you before, have you got a little tip for us? <laughs> something that you can just steer us into, keep our something eye on. Five in a row, like Christchurch that day. <laughs> yeah, well, so Izzy's not punting, but Louis and I will get on it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've got a couple actually nice ones in it, Rotorua. It's not a track that I love, um, tight turning track, but um, Habana should win on Wednesday. And there's a first starter there called Shining Peak. Um, short of her best, is going to be a really nice sort of stone filly later on, but I think she'll go close first up. Beautiful. Outstanding. All right, mate, well, we'll, we'll let you go, but we really appreciate you joining us. And thanks for getting everyone that listens to Baz and Izzy for breakfast paid on the weekend with Paranui Bay as well. So much appreciated, mate, and all the best. Look forward to catching up on track, and, and hopefully you can buy us a beer, eh? Oh, yeah, no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a beer. That's not a problem. I'm not one of those tight-ass trainers. <laughs> Murray, Murray, Baker, he, Murray Baker doesn't go to the races much anyway. He doesn't like going to the to spend some money when he goes. Uh, uh, those Cambridge trainers they've all got plenty of cash as well the property around there in Cambridge is worth fortune so they've got heaps but anyway Mikey absolute legend the only one who's got got any money in Cambridge Stephen Marsh (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've seen it I saw his house crikey he's Mate, I'm going to have to have a look at his training fees because he is flying at the moment. Just put a pool in and just got the old spa pool. Absolutely flying. All right, mate. Take yeah, care. Thanks, thanks very much for joining us again. All right, boys. We have got coming up Shane Bond. Looking forward to chatting to him in just a second. Don't forget to give us a call anytime on the Kennard's Hire phone line 0800 150 811 or send us a text. Maybe you've got a text for, for Bondi, Troy, Our, Shano, all these different nicknames that the man possesses. Give us a text on double eight double three if you want to ask him a question. And while we've got him on the line, we'll uh, we'll ask that question for you. I think he has joined us all the way down there in Christchurch. Good morning, Bondi. 
Good morning, Baz. I'm still in MIQ in Auckland, mate. <laughs> I wish I was in Christchurch. Oh, that's right. You are too. How's MIQ going for you? Yeah, I woke up at 3 o'clock. I have for the last sort of four to five days. And, yeah, I'm losing weight based on the food, but the rest of it's okay, mate. I'm catching up on TV series. I can't <laughs> complain too much. Right, what MIQ are you? Yeah, I need to get something out to you. Where are you there? I'm... Uh, I'm at the, I've got. A, I've only got two days left. I'm at the Crown Plaza in Auckland, mate. So I'm right in the mix of sober eating, getting a bit of a hammering. So, yeah, as I said, I can't <laughs> complain too much. It's good to be home. Okay. Well, we'll see if we can get something up there. But anyway, mate, let's talk some cricket. Hey, um, obviously the conditions uh, heading into the Test series, we knew that spin could be um, a quite important factor on, on the wickets over there in, mm. in India. But the, the performance of the New Zealand team, is that something you must in particular be so so delighted about, mate? Yeah, I think um, yeah, Tim Southey in particular has just continued on his form from the World Cup. Who you know He was our best bowler through that tournament. Uh, and the way he's bowled through this test match in particular with a, with a niggle in his groin and the way he's just led that attack has just been outstanding. I, I suppose New Zealand will look at it playing three spinners and probably shake their heads and think, oh, we probably should have played near Wagner you know, with the success that the mm-hmm. teams have had. So, look, Kyle Jamieson, again, he just continues to go from strength to strength, doesn't he? And uh, I know Gary Stead rested him from the T20s in India to get him, get him prepared for the, the Test Series. And he, you know, he's made the right decision because, again, he bowled, bowled brilliantly as well. But New Zealand have got some work to do if they want to win this one now, Baz. As you know, the, the Indian spinners almost mm. look like they're bowling on a different pitch sometimes, don't they? Yeah, they sure do. Let's, let's talk about that in a second. I know Iz's got a couple of questions for you on that as well. Um, let's just talk Cole Jamison. So he's now 51 wickets at 15, or a shade under 15 in nine test matches, which is just outrageously good. And then Tim Southey, I'll just read you a couple of these stats. You'll be aware of, aware of them anyway, but for those out there who aren't, if we break down his 80 test matches now, uh, Tim Southey, he's... He's got 322 wickets, an average of 27.96. But if you break it down into into thirds in his career, first third, he was 26 tests, 83 wickets, 34.33. Second third, 27 tests, 99 wickets, 30.29. But listen to this one, Bondo. His last 27 test matches, he's got 137 wickets at 22.49. What What is it that has clicked with, with Tim Southey, in your opinion? It's probably a combination of things, mate. It's just, you know, experience. Um, I think one thing that about Tim and Bolt and Jameson, Wagner, that group of bowlers as well, is they're all determined to get better. And that was the, the great thing about coming back into the, the group for the World Cup. Their, their focus and determination, even though, you know, uh, their, their place in the team isn't really under threat, yet they just continually want to push the envelope. And Tim... Tim's like that. He's looking for little areas in his game to improve. And I, and I think, as well, you know, you, as you get to the age around 30, 32, where everything sort of clicks into place, everything off the field settled. And I think that certainly has an impact on your, on your performance on the field as well. So everything that, that Tim's done on the field's, you know, been outstanding. And I think that coupled with that's that leadership side as well, which he did a great job in the series in um, India as well. And you put everything together. Yeah, you know, he's playing obviously his record of age is unbelievable and the wickets at home can be very, very flat. So so those stats really you know, speak to what a world class performer he has been for a very long time now and you know, hopefully he's gonna get three, four more years out of him performing at that sort of level. 
Yeah, nice. He's an absolute champion, Bondi. It says he here, mate. Great to have you on the show. Uh, appreciate your g'day. time. Um, yeah, good day, brother. Hey, uh, Crosshitch, looking a bit cloudy, so mate, so you don't want to be here at the moment. It'll it'll get better later in the week uh, when you get home. Hey, um, quick, let's talk about Kyle Jameson, mate. Um, absolute champion bowler. Uh, he's got he's a big man, so he obviously rips it down. He's good with the ball. Fifty-one wickets and nine Test matches, mate. From a fast bowler, what has impressed you? about Kyle Jamieson, and if there's anything you could see him evolving and critiquing over the next couple of, a couple of years, what would that be from, from, from a champion bowler to one? Oh, I think that does. His, his development's been unbelievable. I think he's been the beneficiary mm. of a couple of aid programs. So he, he went over to India and the UAE and got exposed to that sort of heat and those conditions a little bit earlier in his career. Um, obviously, he's got all the physical tools. He's got 6'8", bowls one. He swings the ball both ways, which is unbelievable. But probably what people don't realise about Kyle is the, the work that he's doing off the field around the mental space. Very, very disciplined. Yeah. Thinks a lot about how he's going to be the best bowler in the world and spends a lot of time organising, planning, preparing his trainings to make sure that that's, that's, the, that's where he gets to. And I think that's been nice. you know, a couple of so obviously having three or four world-class fast bowlers around him to guide him and coming into the team at a great time. You know, he pulls those things together in New Zealand have got the potential to have a great, not only a great bowler, but a great all-rounder because the boy can bat as well. So, mate, I think Kyle would admit himself that the, the next area of improvement for him is around the white ball game. Um, you know, his test yeah. game is phenomenal. Um, and if New Zealand can get that sort of level of performance with the white ball in his hand, looking forward to another couple of World Cups in the next few years, then, then you know, who knows what can happen. Mate, what what is the difference between the the test and the white ball? Obviously, longer periods of play, but what is the difference attacking and bowling wise, and and your preparation heading into the white ball game that you you can tell us tell us about? I think the hardest thing, mate, is you know batsmen just stick down the wicket and smack you over your head, um, yeah. <laughs> and that's the hardest thing. Covers guys like Baz who run down the wicket first ball and crunch you. But, you know, in the red ball game, you sort of run down, put it in the channel, and nothing happens, and, and you feel pretty good about yourself, but. Well, when you're being crunched yeah. over the back over your head or smacked over the fence early, you know, dealing with that pressure and being under constant pressure because the you know, often the ball, the, the bowler can dictate the game, but you know, the batters are coming at you constantly in the white ball game and being able to, you know, cope with that level of pressure, have have get out of jail cards and be able to make really quick decisions ball by ball, that that's you know, you only learn that when you've been under sort of that microscope for a while. So Look, you know, Kyle made a stack of dough in the in the IPL auction, so all of a sudden all the focus came on him. You know, and he hadn't played much, and, and, and batters came out and put the pressure on him. And I, and I think that experience, mm. he'll be better for that experience in the long run because there's no doubt he's got the tools. But he's going to have to play a little bit more white ball cricket to, to learn how to cope with that. Mm. Hey, hey Bondi, we're going to have to let you go shortly. We know uh, obviously your time's precious, albeit an MIQ. Um, but uh, mate, let us uh, let us know your thoughts on um, whether we think or whether you think we can chase this down. I know it's a monumental task, but do you think the boys got it in them to be able to try and chase the, the two hundred and eighty in these ninety overs? Oh, mate, it's going to be pretty tough to be fair. I, I think what I'd like to see us do is play some shots. I think we, even in the first innings, we played brilliantly. Um, we lost a couple of wickets. I think the only way. And you look at the best player in India conditions over the last few years, someone like Joe Root, you know, he came out and played ultra positive. And runs for any bowler is the way that, you know, annoys you the most. So 
what do you reckon? I hope we come out and at least try and put some scoreboard pressure on them because if you know if then you feel like we can win, then they have to move fielders out of those catching positions, and then you never know what can happen. So, look, I never never say never with this team. This team has done some amazing stuff over the last few years, and there's some awesome players in it. So, I'll be watching and hoping. Beautiful. All right, mate. Well, we'll let you go, but we really appreciate your time. And um, and when you made mention of uh, of the, the smarts and the intelligence and the hard work that Cole Jameson and Tim Southey put in, they've learnt all of that. I know, personally, I know they've learnt all of that from from uh, from your hard work yes. over the years and also Shane Jurgensen from his time there as a Black Caps bowling coach. So thank you on behalf of all of us as Kiwi Sports uh cricket followers for all the hard work that you've done and we look forward to your continued involvement in the game here in New Zealand, mate. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. How quick How quick are you bowling, Bonnie? Quickly, before you go? <laughs> oh, this is a black clash. I reckon I'm, I'm, I'm touching about 115, mate. You've nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Do you reckon you can fix Izzy's bowling? <laughs> you think you can work with Izzy as well? You've got some yeah, raw talent I, yeah. I, heard, I heard Izzy used to bowl heaps. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> Uh, Very good Thank you very much Bondi Right now You know what time it is It's Bezzy's And Izzy's Radio Frequencies It's Bezzy's And Izzy's Radio Frequencies She walks real Slow Yes, it's that time of the morning, my favourite time of the morning. And this week, last week was Wellington, 7.11am. This week it's 12.60am is Christchurch Frequency. We're giving you the chance to win 1260 bucks. How good would that be? We asked for caller number 8. And well, caller number 8 this morning was Callum from West Auckland. Good morning, Callum. Morning, fellas. Yeah, yeah. Good luck, the, Callum. Good yeah, luck. Oh, we're good, bud. We're good, Callum. We're, good. We're, we're up and about, mate. We want to get you paid. What will you do with $1,260, mate? We're going to spend it already. Come on. Let us know. Um, oh, maybe buy a new boat or something like that. Ooh, Put it towards the boat. What kind of boat? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's small. Yeah. Yeah, beauty, mate. Yeah. Beauty. How good would that be? Well, hopefully... We can get you halfway, not even halfway there. What would you buy? A little anchor? Anchor with 1260 bucks. Anyway, mate, hopefully we can get you something towards that boat, mate. Um, anyway, the spotlight this week is on Christchurch Frequency, 1260 AM. We've got Cullen, and because of that frequency, we're giving you, Cullen, the chance to win 1260 bucks. All you have to do is correctly answer the 10 questions. And I hope you're listening to SCNZ on Friday between Smithy, Staffy, Kirsten, Beeve. They gave you half the answers. Now they are in random order, so you'll have you'll get a few questions you haven't heard before being thrown into the quiz earlier on. Try and so help. Get yeah. all ten. It's all yours, bud. You ready? I'm ready, mate. Give it a crack. All right, there you go, Callum. Where was legendary racehorse Far Lap born? Timaru. Here he is. Here he is. Question number two: Which tennis player is known as the King of Clay? Uh, Ruffin Nadal. There he is. Question number three. Legendary All Black and former Samoan coach Sir Brian Williams was known by what nickname? BG. 
Bank. Here he is. He's on. He's on this morning. Question number four. What sport are you talk taking? Uh, what sport are you taking part in if you're competing in a velodrome? Cycling. Oh, he's on fire. He's on fire. This is good. You've won. This is good. You're on fire, mate. Question number five. At which Commonwealth Games was netball a demonstration sport? Uh, 1990? 1990? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Okay, yeah. Kids, you happy with that, kids? I'll take it. I'll take it. If he can tell us where yeah, it is, then yeah. I'll be Nine even happier. But yeah, Auckland, New Zealand. There we go. Yeah, Give yeah. us another thing. Shot, he knew. He knew. He knew. Oh, I like that. Like that. Here we go, Callum. Number six. What sport do the Auckland Huskies play? Auckland Huskies. Five, four, three, basketball. Two. Basketball. Yeah. <laughs> he's up. He's up. All right. All right. I'm going to need it real quick, bud. I'm going to need it real quick. Here you go. Question number seven. Which New Zealand sailing legend is the mastermind behind the Sail GP Falling Catamaran Series? Is it Sir Russell Coots? And that's the Russell Coates, man. Oh, this is good for way. a Monday. Here he is. Here he is for a Monday. We're up and about. Callum's. Come on, mate. Callum, number eight. Question number eight. Which major league rugby team will Ma'a Nonu play for next year? Five. Four. Uh, three. Two. One. New York. New York. New York. Nah. In New York? No. Nah, sorry, bro. Nah, sorry, brother. Damn. It's um, San Diego. San Diego Legion. San Diego. Yeah, All right. bro. Good San effort, Diego bro. Legion. Oh, brother. How many we you get haven't right? gone home empty-handed, brother. You've won 88 right. bucks and 20 cents. $88. All the eight. Not bad. Cheers. Thanks for that. I appreciate it anyway. Can't complain nah, about that. All good, man. Brother. Thanks good so effort. much. Yeah, we all... Dip. Really well, mate. There was a tough question there with Ma'a. He's sending over to San Diego Legion to play in the Major League. But, um, mate, give us a call tomorrow. We're back in it. You're back in it, Callum. So, so now, just, just to clarify, so now we have the same first mm-hmm. six que- uh, first seven questions, right? Kez? No. Uh, he's busy right now, sorry. We no. should have. No, no, no. You reckon? Nah. Why no not? way. Yeah, make it yeah we should. Nah. You reckon? Well, I reckon we should. I like giving away money, so I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do, can you give me uh, some? What do you reckon? you got plenty, mate. You don't punt anymore. Nah. you got heaps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, I got none, mate. It's all going into crypto. Here we go. Question for question for tomorrow. The question, first question for tomorrow. How many test wickets test wickets does Sir Richard Headley have to his name? The answer, four hundred and thirty-one. So that is for tomorrow. How many test wickets does Sir Richard Headley have to his name? The answer, 
431. Tomorrow, we'll be back, Baz. We'll be back. <laughs> Spotlights on Christchurch Frequency. But anyway, well done to Callum. Well done to Callum. Uh, he got $88, so he got paid. He can buy, what, what can you buy there, a life jacket? You can buy a life jacket there for your boat, brother. <laughs> and come back tomorrow, mate, you can buy another three. Come back and get the whole shebang and get another three. But anyway, that's enough of that. Like I said, we don't have Matt Walsh on the line. He is a little bit crook with, um, you know, over in Australia with the COVID situation. He has a tough night, so we've gone and got someone else that we thought would be quite tired and quite, you know, fatigued and, you know, just have a really soaking it up, burned eight, 18,000 calories, saw a rubbish bag full of food and things like that. Nick Gill, who is a world record holder, world record holder for a Watt bike, 24 hours, 781 clicks, Gilly Road, with the other lads, Sammy Whitlock and Brad Moore, and he's, he's on the line. You wouldn't believe it, he's back on the Watt bike I'm hearing. Morning, Gil. Hey, mate, how are you? Oh, good. You're not back Man. on the bike, are you? Yeah. I, I was going to do a little bit yesterday to try and help my legs feel a bit better, but didn't feel that flash. So got up this morning and, yeah, 45 minutes, I'm nearly done. Oh, mate, what a what an effort. What an effort. Talk us through it, mate. I, I jumped on at about 10, quarter past nine for 15 minutes and just lifted them around, and then I jumped off and went to golf. Um but how was it? You, you went to some dark places. <laughs> yeah, she was a she was a tough old day. That's for sure. Like I um I didn't really anticipate it being as hard as it was. To be fair, um, yeah. just the need to go to the toilet all the time, sore feet, sore knees, everything sore. Trying to fall asleep, trying to stay awake, not fall asleep. Um, yeah, not wanting to eat when you know you needed to. It was just it was tough. Um, but, you know, people like you, we had, we had people with us the whole time. Um, and they really got us through it, to be fair. Awesome. Gilly, Baz here, mate. Hey, um, something, hey, mate. one part of your journey I really focused on was your chafe. How was your chafe at the end? We obviously spoke to you halfway through. It was pretty horrific. How was it at the end? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I stayed in one pair of shorts. Um, so... Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say there was some good smells going around the room, but um, <laughs> had this had this cream called butt butter, and uh, every, oh, toilet, yeah. every toilet stop I'd get a big big handful of butt butter and rub it on my butt, and um, yeah, it actually saved me like my bum feels fine. <laughs> that's brilliant but butter for anyone out there that's struggling with any issues <laughs> that's fabulous has it got a scent to it or is it sort of is it just a sort of, yeah just a mild no, I think cream it's, I think it's pretty neutral just just neutral i think hey yeah just neutral so it should be coconut flavored or something it should be should have a scent now. <laughs> <laughs> hey Gilly, you may have mentioned just before you said that you didn't anticipate it would be quite so hard. How could you not anticipate that biking for seven hundred and plenty kilometres wouldn't be that hard? Oh, it was more the distance I was trying to get. I um I thought it was sort of you know, you go through all these waves where you you're not thinking straight and I'm trying to do numbers in my head and people were asking me how you're going and on target, and at some points in time, I I didn't have a clue because I didn't know what was going on. You know, it was a bit weird, but um, 
yeah, I think it was just the pace. The pace was harder to hold than I thought it would be. Hey, mate, you did this for a reason. You did this for a reason. You were able to raise just under $45,000 for the Chalky Car Trust and early detection of bowel cancer, mate. Uh, talk us about that, um, you know, being able to raise such a significant amount of money for a good good cause and our good friend, Chalky Car. Yeah, I'll tell you what, like, um, I wasn't, to be fair, I wasn't quite aware of how bad bowel cancer is in New Zealand um, mm. until all the people started getting online supporting us. Um, and, you know, there's numerous, you know, 25 to 40-year-olds that are dying with bowel cancer. Um, mm. There's people that, uh, if it's detected early, 95% survival rate. Um, if it's detected a year or two late, people die. So um, really it was about trying to raise money to help people detected early and to raise awareness so that more people can get help. Mm. Apparently it's not funded. So, you know, we've got we've got mums jumping on and texting us saying, you know, her daughter needs a scan every three months because her risk profile is so high, but she can't afford to pay for it. You know, so mm. hopefully this money goes towards helping people get, get screened early, detected early and save a lot of lives. That's outstanding, Gilly. Oh, you're so you're so right. I had a good friend. He was 28 and he passed away in Wellington many years ago from bowel cancer. And I couldn't believe it. Such a young age. So I uh, love the work that you're doing, mate. Um, raising money for a foundation and a charity that is uh, that needs all the funding you can get, mate. Hey, quickly, just before we let you go and get back to your wop bike, can't believe it. 780 kilometres, mate. 81 kilometres. Official? Is that an official world record? Are we going to see your name somewhere popped up? Is it? Is it an official? Or is it just kind well, of? Well, it's not a. Um, who, who had it? It's who? not a Guinness. Oh, who had it? So it's not a Guinness Book of Record record. Because um, yeah. you know you have to go through ratification and all that, and I'm an MIQ. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but the the record before this was set by Mark Beaumont, who's a uh, legendary UK cyclist who's. I think he still holds a record for riding around the world. Um, so he said it in 2015, um, doing a similar thing, fundraising. Um, but he was in a, in a bike shop with six or seven other people as well. So I was pretty keen to knock it off. And, and uh, we'll see who wants to give it a crack to try and uh, make it higher. Yeah. yeah. I'm a bit of an oddball. Eh? I woke up in the morning and thought, shit, another 19k would have been an 800. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, another, you, you're just a handy, of, mate. Yeah. Another, cu- another couple of beers might have got me through another 19k, I reckon. I started a bit earlier. But That's oh. what I saw, mate. <laughs> I saw a few beers in that yeah. rubbish bag. Were, were you on the beers during yeah, that too? Or was that post it? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, what happened is, I, um, I'm sure I can say this on radio, I, I hit the record at, at 23 hours, 13 minutes. So yeah. jumped off the bike, went to the fridge, grabbed my, my Steinlager Tokyo Dry, celebrated the record with a big slurp, and then uh, yeah. a couple of the lads, a couple of the lads were on Zoom, and I'd made a bet with them that every five k over the record, they needed to have a beer. So um, <laughs> I, I got out another twenty five k. I got another twenty five k, and 
and 45 minutes. So a few of the boys had a few quick beers on me, which is pretty cool. Oh, beautiful. Oh, that's outstanding. I couldn't believe it. I was looking in the bag and I saw those two big tall cans of, of Steiny, mate. Yeah, but i tell you what, like as soon as I stopped at 7pm, my burger arrived at 7.10. Had a bath at 7.15 with my burger. And I was asleep at 7.30. <laughs> so, <laughs> she, she was pretty much get off the bike and go to bed, bro. Oh, mate. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone was going to do it, Skilly, mate. Oh, he was a tough trainer, mate. Down and up. That's why I said to him when I joined the bling. I said, get in there, Gilly. Down and up, mate. Because the amount of times he told me to get my chest to the ground. Oh, just wanted to get up and jab him one. But anyway, you're an absolute <laughs> champion, Gilly. You're a good man, mate. Congratulations. And look, it's for a good cause. Our good mate, Chalky Car Trust, $45,000. You, Sammy Whitelock, and Brad Moore. Congratulations, what an absolutely outstanding effort. Appreciate your time, Gilly, and uh, if you can, you can still donate, eh? Yeah, just just lastly on that, Izzy, um, give a little uh, uh, 24-hour bike ride for Chalky. Um, get on there and donate, please, people. We're 45K, we want to get to 100. Um, and secondly yeah. is uh, Sam Whitelock's Watt Bike. Um, is, I've been auctioned on Trade Me. If anyone wants to buy the All Black Skippers Watt Bike, um, and all those funds are going to the charity as well. So get in there, people. Awesome. Awesome, Gilly. We'll, we'll, we'll chuck that up on the, on the Twitter page as well, mate. So thanks very much for your for your time. You're a, you're a champion. You're still a comedian after 24 hours on a Watt Bike, mate. Outstanding. Thanks very much, Gilly. Thanks, thanks Gilly. Butt butter, Bears. Butt butter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Here we go, Jeff. Jeff from Roxborough. Butt butter was very good on a seven-day ride. Only thing that worked on the chafing. Go the Black Caps. Love your show. Never miss it. Cheers, Jeff from Roxborough. <laughs> Outstanding. Also endorsing the same product that Nick Gill used. You are listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Big thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Great texts about the cricket, and we'll get to Baz and those very, very shortly. But right now, it's time. Recharging after a big weekend, it's time for our Monday morning health check with New Zest. They are powering the next generation of New Zealand athletes, and it's fair to say this week's guest is doing the same thing with the Lavi Tennis Academy, which is now considered New Zealand's leading performance tennis academy. He's a former top player himself, and it's awesome to have Sebastian Lavi on the show this morning. G'day, Sebastian. Good morning. Uh, Thanks for having Hopefully I'm saying it right. Am, am I pr- announced, pronouncing your last name right? Yeah, okay. Perfect. How you going? <laughs> very well, thanks. Very well. Just um, just about to hit the court with some of the youngsters. So happy to have a chat with you guys and uh, get the week started off nice. Nice, mate. Nice. Well, we won't hold you too long. I know you're a busy man. Um, and what you know, our show is all about championing champions. You got some potential young champions there that's about to take court this morning with you, mate. Yeah, I mean, look, it's been a difficult, obviously, couple of years for anyone who's trying to perform as a professional athlete, especially yeah. in tennis, which involves so much traveling around the world. Um, so they've been, they've been held back a little bit at this stage, but we're trying to give them the best training environment possible so that when the borders do open and we can get back overseas, um, it, should be, it should be rocking. Mate, you, you've had a pretty successful career in your own rights, and, you know, you've come back to New Zealand and... And what was your inspiration around the, the Lavi uh, Tennis Academy, mate? Um, so I, 
I mean, I grew up in New Zealand until I was um, 10 years old mm. and then moved over to France. Um, I went to the Moratiglou Tennis Academy, which is pretty well pretty well known in the tennis world. The coach of Serena Williams uh, runs that academy. So I spent 10 years over there living on site, training, traveling. Um, so it was, kind of, it was kind of my whole, I guess, life experience and definitely through my teenage years. And just, yeah. just the experience I had, not only as a tennis player, but just as a person and growing up through you know, living with a bunch of people that had the same purpose just really inspired me to come back and want to do it in New Zealand where, unfortunately, in tennis, we don't really have those opportunities. Mm. Sebastian, it's Baz here, mate. Um, I love my tennis. Absolutely love playing tennis, actually. Just maybe a little vertically challenged to be able to excel at the game. But uh, explain <laughs> to us a little bit about where uh, tennis in, in New Zealand is currently at. Is the sport growing? Um. It's a difficult question. I mean, we've got a couple of really good doubles players, obviously Michael Bennett and Marcus Daniel, who who won the Olympic um, bronze medal this year, which was a fantastic effort. Um, so that's been that's been really exciting to see. But over the last few years, we've we've kind of lacked that singles performance that has put tennis on the map for New Zealand. Um, so we're really trying to you know push hard. It's probably it's probably at least about five to ten years away from us having a potential chance of someone really bursting through the scenes. Um, yeah. But look, it's 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 an individual sport. There's so few spots up the top of the up the top of the ranks that people actually get get seen. So it's a tough pathway, but we're doing our best to try and get some get some young Kiwis up there, and hopefully it happens uh, in the near future. Okay, cool, man. Hey, we'll talk about your New Zealand um, partnership in a minute. But um, just one thing I've always been interested in is, I guess New Zealand we've been able to excel at, at some of these individual sports around the globe, like golf. Etc. We've got such brilliant athletes in our country. What what is the one single ingredient we need to be able to see more New Zealanders excelling at the very top level of, of tennis? Um, well, I think tennis being an individual sport, you actually have to be quite selfish, um, and I mean that in a positive way. Mm. You know, I mean I don't mean a selfish person, but you have to you have to put yourself first. You have to make sure that you're doing everything possible to give yourself the best chance to succeed. And I feel like potentially a little bit of our, you know, the New Zealand mentality, the New Zealand culture is, is not to be like that, is not to always, you know, push ourselves up. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say we're, you know, a, a, a cocky person in New Zealand. So I think that does lack sometimes when you get to the top end of the sport yeah. and, and a lot of players that really reach it just have that grit and that self-belief and they're not, a, they're not afraid to say it. Um, and, and that mm. does, that does play its part, you know, especially when, when people get to you know 14, 15, 16, and they have to make life decisions, um, I think that's something in the past that's held us back. But it also comes out of an environment that we can create. Um, so I think we have enough people believing that they're on the right pathway, working together, traveling together. Eventually, we'll see some results. Um, but at the moment, I just feel like there's a lack of a lack of belief within the tennis community that you know you can be the next Emma Raducanu or you can be the next. Um, Stefan Tsitsipas, just because we haven't had those examples in the past. So, yeah, again, it's, it's, individual sport is always is always a tough one, um, and, and you don't have the support you have when you're in a team environment. Um, obviously, financially, it's very expensive. You've got to travel overseas, so that all adds up. But I just feel that that culture of believing that you can do it and striving every day is something that we have to develop from a young age here, and I think that's what's lacking at the moment. Nice, mate. Nice. I love it. I love it. Got to have a certain arrogance about you when you're out there. It's not being overly arrogant, but confident in your ability, and I love what you're about there, mate. Sebastian, um, yeah. just quickly, before we let you shoot off, mate, your relationship with Newsest. Yeah. 
Talk to us about your relationship with Newsies and how they've been able to support you with your journey. Yeah, look, they've been they've been fantastic from from when I was still playing back in the day. Um, they've all supported me. They not only have they you know given products that have actually helped me um, during my matches in my recovery. They've also they've also just believed in me, and I know they've done the same with Michael Venus, with Marcus Banyan, or players that you know need that extra support from someone to just push them to the next level, either physically or even just knowing someone has your back. Um, so I really appreciate everything that they've done, and now they're really. You know, they're kicking in now with the academy. They're supporting the youngsters. Anyone that's, you know, on that pathway, they want to get behind them. So they've been, they've been excellent along with their excellent products. So really, really people that I appreciate, and they're doing a fantastic job um, for us. Appreciate what you're doing for the next generation, Sebastian Lavi. He is New Zealand's leading performance tennis academy, and all you youngsters out there, mate. Hopefully, potentially, we see some youngsters coming through. On the big stage, if they do what you've just spoken about, mate, there'll be no doubt be some successful <laughs> tennis players coming out of New Zealand, mate. We really appreciate your time, Sebastian Levy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it.